0: To. I'll say, bless the Lord if you say, Oh my soul, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. bless his holy names for on buttons and when the pastor turns them on. <laughs> Thanks, Dukes. Welcome guys. I'm Chris and the pastor here at Kairos. We want to be the kind of place that engages the whole person, the whole gospel, anywhere, anytime, with anybody. I don't know about you, but that's a lot easier for me to live out when I've had a four-day weekend. If you had to work on Labor Day, I'm so sorry, but I did not, and I bless the name of the Lord for it. Um, As good as that is, and as wonderful and as relaxing and as awesome time I have with family and friends and grilling out, um, I got into work today, and I signaled for a fair catch, but Tuesday targeted me and drilled me straight in the chin strap. Did anybody just feel like, oh, you got back into the grind today and went, oh, dear Lord, I'm in trouble. That was a great time off, but that work is waiting for me. Let me just take a quick survey. How many of you left school, work, or your home today to come here tonight, and you have unfinished projects or assignments that still need to be completed? Good. I see that. Hold it up. Let everybody see it. Great. Okay, good. All right. Now... My question for you is, what kind of person are you in the midst of that unfinished work? Now, uh, I use my wife too many times as an example, so I'm just gonna use me, all right? So I I can respond in one of two ways to unfinished work. Which one do you most resonate with? The first one, my spirit animal becomes Eeyore, and I start singing, nobody knows the troubles. I get all mopey. And just, like, just, I want people to feel sorry for me. I talk a lot about all the work that I have to do. And the weight of the world is so heavy on my shoulder shrugs today. It's almost impossible. I get to the place I can handle one, maybe two, unfinished work or assignments or projects. You hit three, and I'm sticking my head in the ground. It's like opening up a door. It's a messy room. Hello, goodbye. Not going to even talk about that. Worse yet, here's another deficiency I have. I'll take on a new project that's unfinished just because I want the excitement and the adventure of doing something new rather than completing what I've already committed to. I know none of you struggle with that, right? (laughs) Or my other spirit animal is the Kraken of crankiness, okay? There are times when God is good to me and his Holy Spirit fills me and I feel like Samson and I'm gonna get it done, right? Right? Let me know what the assignment is. Let me know how impossible it is. And let's run through a brick wall, all right? I can be strong and disciplined and obsessive compulsive when I need to. And I'm going to take the bull by the horn, slap it twice and tell them who I am, okay? And I'm going to get it done. But then something happens. People or circumstances beyond my control become an obstacle for me finishing the task and that's when I become the cracking of crankiness. I get fueled with fear and anxiety and frustration, and I start breathing fire. And if anyone gets in my circumference that is not as stressed out and as anxious and on edge as I am, I beat them over the head and throw them on my anxiety train and go, how dare you have joy and peace in the midst of what I'm going through right now? I don't know which one you are, but I've got good news for you tonight. There's a different way, that the gospel is good, the Bible is beautiful, and God is glorious to be able to give us the ability to have unconventional joy in unfinished work. So we're going to start a series called The Alchemy of Joy. Somebody said, what is alchemy? I said, I don't know. I just read it in a Harry Potter book. I sounded cool. (laughs) Alchemy is actually a scientific message where you try to take base metals that aren't very valuable and transform them into something valuable like gold. And the goodness of the gospel is he can take our feelings of doubt and depression, fear and frustration, anxiety, and with the gospel and the power of the resurrected Jesus, he can transform it into joy because Christ is within us. Amen? So I want to do something different as we start out tonight. I'm going to have Lindsay Jacoby come up on stage and read our text for us tonight. I'd like to introduce you to her. You can call her Jacoby because that's what I call her or Jack. Um, we've known each other for about nine years, and we've done ministry and life together at a previous church, and now she's transitioned here, and my heart cannot be happier that she's in Nashville. Uh, she's doing some contract writing um, and trying to figure out what next steps in life and ministry are, and so she has always just been a woman that I love. When she reads scripture, you're just going to sense the peace of God come over you, okay? It's unbelievable, There is a gravity to her soul, um, and she's also helped me out with this series. She's doing some research for me, so you're going to get to hear her voice intermingled with mine. I'm a better preacher and pastor when she's in my life and helping me find stuff I would never have access to, telling me what Greek words mean. And so I'm so delighted you're here. Uh, If this series sucks, it's your fault. Um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I take full ownership for it. But let me pray for us and then I'll have, Jacoby's gonna come up. She's gonna give you a brief intro because she's got such a good, she's called to teach God's word and she has such a good gift of setting the contextualization of the scripture that we're about to read. So for the next series, we believe here that the word of God's important in the worship of God. So after we get done singing, Jacoby will come out. She'll give us a brief introduction and then she'll read her text before I come out and preach. Sound good? Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen.
1: So near the end of his life, Paul found himself imprisoned by Roman authority. He was under house arrest for two years. And it was here that he penned his letter to the Philippians. They were the first church that he founded in Europe. They were a beloved congregation for him. And so this letter that he writes to the Philippians is a thank you. It's an encouragement. It's an update from the mission field. But more than anything, what undergirds Paul's words in this letter is joy. He mentions it more than a dozen times in four short chapters. And so despite his chains, despite his persecution, despite being separated from a people that he loves... Despite their trials, joy reigns supreme for Paul. It's his prayer that he would have joy, and it is his prayer that all of his brothers and sisters in Christ would have joy. And so he begins in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi, who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and the deacons. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you heard it even until now. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus himself returns. So it's right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Thanks, Jack. Um, So did you catch that verse in there? I'm certain of this. He who began a good work in you is faithful and will bring it about to completion on the day of Christ. This is Paul's absolute certainty, even in the midst of being in prison, but Let's be honest, let's have a conversation with the text here. That's all well and good for the Apostle Paul, but you and I, we want to finish our work and we want to get credit for it. Because a lot of our frustration resolves around the fact, hey, I'm not getting the opportunities or the chances to do the things that I was created to do. I don't know when the job, the relationship, uh, the stresses that are constantly assaulting me, when am I finally going to be finished with dealing with blank? Now, I would like to submit to you that there can actually be unconventional joy in the midst of unfinished work. Let me prove to you by some uh, historical examples. Number one, Canterbury Tales, anybody ever read that? Presumed to be one of the English literature's most valuable contributions, unfinished work. Did you know that in the prologue, the author alluded to the fact that he was gonna write four more stories and die before ever he got a chance to write them? I hope his joy wasn't robbed that he got to see this book go on to be an incredible work of art. Mozart was writing Requiem, um, and he died two months into writing it. But people would go on to finish it, and it would be played hundreds and hundreds of times over and over again. Take out a dollar bill if you have it. Look at that picture. Congratulations, that's an unfinished work. The painting of George Washington that is on our $1 bill was an unfinished work by Charles Gilbert. Never finished it. Somebody else finished it, and yet it got used in millions and millions of places. And then, of course, possibly the most significant contribution to cinematic history is that of Paul Walker in The Fast and Furious 7. And we all know that that was unfinished. But thanks to the work of CGI and his brother as a stand-in, that went to completion, and we are all better human beings because of it. And eagerly look forward to number eight. Amen? That's when you can tell Jacoby's helping me with my sermon prep. She loves Fast and Furious. Here's what I want to look at in this verse. I think there's three key ingredients um, that Paul, not Walker, the Apostle, has <laughs> in the alchemy of joy, where he's going to take these base elements of our fear and our frustration, our anxiety, and he's going to apply the gospel to it, and it's going to get transformed into the gold of joy even in the midst of unfinished work and undesirable circumstances. So, first of all, he remembers. He remembers that God has begun a good work in us. So, by the way, just so we're clear, God started his work with creation. I love what Fred Craddock says. He says that for the Apostle Paul, the act of believing is primarily an act of memory, That what we need to do is understand there is a God in history who has acted decisively. And if we will remember his story, our story will start to find significance and eternal significance in the context of his. And maybe if you're wavering or wandering right now in the midst of circumstances where you're like, there's no way I can find unconventional joy. Maybe you just need to remind yourself of God's resume and what all that he has done through the men and women throughout history and maybe you need to take a minute and remember the fact that where you're at is because God began a good work in you. Here's what I have to remind myself of. I have the gift of unfinished work in my life right now because God has given me work to do and completed it and now has given me more unfinished work to do. So all the things that I'm complaining about sometimes are the very things or evidence that God has been working. We've got to remember that he has begun a good work in you. Second thing he says is he reminds himself, he has begun what kind of work? A good work. Don't forget that what God is up to is good stuff. Paul's in prison, he has unfinished work. He's got churches to start, churches to support, he's got a lot of letter writing to do, he's got disciple making to do, he's been given a mission. And for some reason, man, he's landed in prison and that seems to be an obstacle to what God has called him to do. Yet for some reason, he figures out how to have unconventional joy in the midst of unfinished work. Looks at a circumstance that should give him doubt and depression that is God actually working, but then actually starts looking around and going, okay, who needs the Lord here? This is not the circumstances I probably would have chosen for myself, but it's the circumstances God has me in. So I need to make the most of it and see what he's up to. Some of you in here, I know your stories, and some of you have actually literally been in prison. But some of you have also feel like you're in a relationship or a marriage or a job, financial situation, or dealing with health issues that literally feel like a prison sentence. You don't know when it's going to stop or change And the best that you can muster up is, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Here's what you need to hear from the authority of God's word tonight. He has begun a good work in you. And if God is at work, it is good. And he can take even what the enemy intended for evil and transform it into your good. So don't you doubt even for a single second that when persecution and suffering come your way, God has not abandoned you. Chances are he's fast tracking his work in and through you. He who has begun a good work in you will bring it about to completion on the day of Christ. That's the third thing Paul does. He rejoices. The day of Christ is coming when we no longer have to walk by faith. We can walk by sight. His unconventional joy in the midst of unfinished work is grounded in the gospel and firmly fixed upon the return of Christ. And this is a robust eschatology. This is giving spiritual eyes to have vision in blinding difficult circumstances. This is him fixing his eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of his faith and learning an unconventional joy even in the midst of unfinished work. So much so that he's gonna get to a place where he just goes, hey, If I live, it's fine. If I die, it's Christ. It's gain. I can't lose. I can stay here and continue the work or I can die and go to be with Jesus. But somehow Paul has squarely put Jesus at the center and circumference of his life and death. And that is where unconventional joy is available to you in the midst of unfinished work. By the way, it's on God's shoulders. He's the one that began the work. It's up to him to finish it. My question is, why are so many of us stressing out in our own power trying to finish the work that God started? Maybe then, if we step back and realize what Corey Timboom said, which I love this quote. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. How many of you have an unknown future right now? There's a God who's made himself known tonight. You need to hear this, child of God. He who began a good work in you is faithful and will bring it about to completion on the day of Christ. We've just got to get comfortable with the fact that we may not figure out how all the puzzle pieces fit together until Jesus Christ returns. And that's where our hope is set, on the risen, resurrected and returning Jesus. Here's what you and I also got to get comfortable with. God may not finish his work that he started in us through us. It may be somebody else. And that should bring you exceeding and abundant joy. Jesus began a work here on earth and guess who he decided to complete it through? His disciples and you and I. So how many of us are making sure that even in the midst of unfinished work, it's all not about our own ambition and us getting the credit for, but bringing men and women alongside of us and say, if you succeed, that will be my greatest joy in life. If you become exactly who God's designed you to be. Maybe the reason your joy's being robbed right now is because you're the sole focus of your attention. And what God wants to release in you is something uncanny and Unconventional. And all of a sudden, the things that used to just to knock you up over the head and send you sideways into sin and doubt and fear and isolation don't pack the same punch anymore. Because you got Jesus at the center and circumference of your life. To live as Christ, to die as gain. And I understand that I find purpose in unfinished work, in the finished work of Jesus. Amen. So what I wanna do is just take 120 seconds and I wanna ask you some pretty important questions. What we like to do is practice listening prayer here. This is not just a monologue that I get up and talk about and you just kind of listen and go, eh. This is the moment that you came here for tonight. We ask the Holy Spirit to raise our expectations and our awareness of God's presence. And intimacy in God is informed by two things, revelation and response. So in light of what God has revealed to us, How now will we respond? So first of all, I want you to let the Lord inform your thought pattern here. Let him remind you about how he has been faithful to you in the past. And thank him for those moments. Just start ticking off things. Lord, thank you that you saved me while I was a sinner separated from you. Thank you that you sent this person. Thank you for the way that you provided this. Thank you that I woke up and I had water running out of my tap this morning. What are all the ways that God has been faithful that you can calibrate joy in your heart and say, thank you, Father, you have been faithful. Now my next question is, what's keeping you or hindering you right now from trusting that God will continue to be faithful? You just reviewed all the ways that he's been faithful. What rises up in you right now? What is sabotaging your trust? What is hindering your trust in God right now that he will continue to be faithful? got it? Have you named it? Is that the answer or is there something underneath that one? Now that you know what's hindering your trust in the faithfulness of God, trust him with that too. Just hand it to Him. The sacrifice of praise that You desire is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Lord, I need help trusting You with.